I'm Gloria Moraga. Welcome to the one-on-one podcast. I write about the power of communication, including the difficulties many of us encounter when we try to connect and talk with each other. Please subscribe, share, and comment. My website is GloriaMoraga.com. You can find this interview, important links, and videos there. GloriaMoraga.com. This episode of One-on-One is pretty special. We are talking about one of the most severe problems facing Americans and people around the world. Human trafficking, basically slavery in the year 2021. Human trafficking is the buying and selling and exploiting of human beings. For Americans, this is not something that's happening over there, someplace else. It's happening here in our country. My guest is Kay Levesque. Kay and her husband, Sean, are the founders of Love to Hope. The Levesques believe communication and education are powerful tools that can help fight human trafficking. Thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, Um, my pleasure. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your organization and your husband, your mission and what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, my name is Kay Levesque. I'm married to Sean Levesque and we have three kids. Connor is 17, Renee's 14, and Caden is 12. We run an organization called Love to Hope. And that was established, well, it started in my heart back in 2012. I didn't know that trafficking existed. I had a sleepless night. I got up to watch some television. A documentary was playing on sex trafficking, and it was one of those eyes open, heartbroken moments. I, I literally had no idea. And I knew then that I had to do something. All I could picture was my daughter. What if that were my daughter? What would I do? What would I not do? And that set me on a course to um, become educated, believing that awareness is really prevention education. Awareness will lead to action and action will lead to change. So my goal, our goal with Love to Hope is to educate audiences across the United States on what human trafficking is, how it happens, what the grooming process is, what are the warning signs, and what can people do about it? So that was 2012, and eventually by 2016, we knew we wanted to educate full-time, and so our family launched a road tour. We sold our home, everything in it. We bought a fifth wheel, and we traveled across the United States, speaking and educating audiences, 25 different states um, in the two-year time. Wow. That is a big commitment. Just maybe give us a mini education here on, um, on what you tell your audiences and, you know, how you begin, because I hear you're quite informative, but also very powerful. You know, when I discovered trafficking existed, I, I for sure thought, well, that's gotta be another country kind of thing. That's a third world country issue. Mm -hmm. We cannot be in the United States selling human beings. We just, that's not possible. Uh, But as I began to research and learn more, uh, that's exactly the case. Human trafficking may look different in the United States than in other countries, but it is very rampant. The fact of the matter is that it does exist and it is 
an epidemic. It is the second largest criminal activity in the United States. It it surpasses the sale of illegal weapons. It's just under the sale of, of illegal drugs, um, the buying and selling of humans. The average age in America that a girl's first introduced into trafficking is about 14 years old, between 12 and 14 years old. And so it's really important that we speak and educate young people on trafficking and what it looks like. And you mentioned that you've seen movies on trafficking. And there are some really good ones out there, but a lot of them are sort of perpetuating some of the misconceptions that we have about trafficking and how it looks in the United States. For example, we, we do feel like trafficking happens primarily through abduction. So we talk a lot about stranger danger and making sure that we're protecting our kids from the shady white van in the neighborhood or don't go to the bathroom without a friend or, you know, stay in groups when you're in the mall. And those are all really good safety tips. But trafficking in the United States takes place primarily through coercion. And so our our teens are being lured in, groomed and tricked into being trafficked. And that's a whole different ballgame. All right. So tell us how this works, how a 14 year old get pulled into this? How does it work? Typically, it's through an older boyfriend. So traffickers are really good to see vulnerabilities in teenagers. And the greatest vulnerability that teens have is simply their age. So they're just young. And so they're easily duped. They they fall for the, the Romeo, the knight in shining armor. Um, so traffickers are looking for some kind of vulnerability within that human. Well, the number one human need is to matter. It's to be loved, it's to be known. And there are unfortunately too many teenagers that don't think they matter, don't feel like somebody loves them unconditionally, don't like themselves, don't like school, aren't getting along with their parents. That's called, that's called teenagers, right? That's just how, that's just how it works. It's part of life. And so yeah. traffickers will find one of those vulnerabilities and they'll move in for the purpose of exploiting that. So they'll come alongside a girl and, and make her fall in love with him, um, buy her gifts, take her on dates. For all the stranger danger talk, she's pretty much thinks she's got that covered because this is, looks like a guy that she knows that cares about her, that cares to know her, that she's befriended, that has bumped into her at coffee shops or at the mall. And so she typically will develop a dating relationship with him that eventually turns exploitative. And so um, all sorts of things happen emotionally and mentally in a teenager that's in love um, and now is not understanding necessarily what she's being asked to do, but has bought the dream or bought the vision of them together Um, So that is one of the most common ways that teenagers are trafficked in the United States. That's called Romeo or boyfriend trafficking. Uh Then another type of trafficking that happens, unfortunately, quite a lot in America is familial trafficking. And so that is when a parent or a family member is selling their child to, to get a fix to pay rent, to get drugs. That unfortunately happens quite a bit in the United States as well. And then of course there's online exploitation. 
But those are the two primary types of trafficking. In so the people that teenagers or a young woman or a young man love the most betrays them. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like that both within the family. And then also when you're talking about that Romeo trafficking as well, because that girl or boy is truly in love and things turn very exploitative. So education is the number one way to to combat this problem. But what what can we do when you said it's the second most pervasive crime in the United States? I was shocked by that. What can we do? Well, thankfully, there's there are a lot of things we have to look at, you know, not only the the supply, but what is actually perpetuating the supply? What's the demand? Um, So when we're looking at the demand side of things, I mean, there's there's going to be all these angles to taking on trafficking. It's like that analogy of babies in the river. I don't know if you've heard that, but there's babies in the river. So there's people at the bottom of the river trying to rescue the babies that are that keep falling into the river. But there also needs to be people upstream finding out what's causing the babies to fall into the river. So there's there's going to be both sides. And thankfully, we need people on both sides. So when it comes to trafficking, we have to that we have to understand this kind of a three pronged approach. There's awareness, there's assist to escape, there's restoration and all the things that go in between. But obviously, we have a shortage of services for trafficking victims. The safe houses, there's a shortage. The the therapies and trauma-informed care, there's a shortage. The money, there's always a shortage that that is required to to reintegrate and and help heal uh, a victim of trafficking. So my passion is on the prevention side. What do we do to prevent more boys and girls from, from being trafficked? And so that is through awareness. It's about educating teenagers. And it's also through looking at the demand side of things, not just educating teens, but educating their parents, educating the teachers, educating the health, the healthcare workers. It's, it's educating the neighbors. It's, it's the whole, the whole gamut of people coming together to understand trafficking because there are so many victims that don't even self-identify as victims. They think if they weren't pulled out from under their bed, tied up, beaten, and sold on a ship somewhere in another country, they must not be trafficking victims. And so it's helping to develop perspective and language and all of that's through communication. Some real simple things that you could do is actually just open your home or your social media for a platform to bring awareness, bring a speaker in that can talk to you about trafficking and can teach you some of those warning signs and and can show you about the grooming process and how to have conversations with your kids. And when do you have conversations with your kids? And what do you possibly say to them so that you're not scaring them, but you're, but still you're keeping them informed. What do you say? How do you even describe this? Well, I'm speaking to a group of students, you know, they know they're coming to a talk. They're going to learn about trafficking. And so I just present to them as an educator. We walk through what is trafficking, all the things I've told you. We'll sometimes play a video by Shared Hope International about two just ordinary girls that got caught up in trafficking and what that looked like. They can see the grooming process. We'll talk about things they can look out for for their friends as far as warning signs. It's a seminar. So that's an easier conversation because it's to a group. 
and they're prepared. They know they're coming to learn about this thing. But when you're talking about what does one mom say to one daughter or what one grandma says to one grandchild, those conversations can be a little bit more uncomfortable for the adult. Our desire is to just make that become for an adult a normal, continual conversation because our kids are inundated with a sort of sexually charged, you know, normalized culture that is just normalizing things to them on a daily basis that really aren't normal or natural. And so we're seeing way too much on screens. One of the, on the demand side of things that's perpetuating trafficking is pornography. Pornography is a gateway drug to human trafficking. It is an epidemic in our homes and it is hitting our kids extremely young. The average age that a young boy sees and becomes addicted to pornography is nine years old. Girls are also becoming very addicted to porn as well. And so when we have a young culture seeing and becoming addicted to sexual pervasiveness and abuse and just really things that we didn't have access to at our age, it is changing the way that they see themselves, the way they see the opposite sex, the way they see sex in general. And so it is creating this attitude towards sexual, even sexual abuse, that it isn't safe. It's not a safe attitude. And so the conversations at home start really young with um, good pictures and bad pictures and good touch and bad touch. And it's conversations about their identity and who they are and where their value is found. Because unfortunately, the world is sending a message to children. Your girl, your value is found in you know, kind of what you can give. And if you're a boy, your value is found in what you can take. And so there's, there's this narrative running through our youth's mind that is creating a culture that down the road leads to either giving or taking, right? In, in really perverse ways. So the mom and, and grandma and dad at home, they're talking to their kids right away about the things that they may encounter online, conversations that they may have with their friends, things that they may see on television. And they're helping that child navigate healthy relationship and healthy boundaries. So it's a constant conversation, but we still sometimes think we'll leave that to the schools or the churches, and we'll maybe have that talk maybe one time when we take our kid out and kind of tell them, you know, how babies are made, and then we're done, and it just has to be a constant conversation. And so in addition to that conversation about the things that they're up against, is you're creating that openness for them to communicate to you. If something seems wrong, they know you're not going to freak on them. You can't go atomic. It's not if you see pornography, it's when. And just come and talk to me about what you've seen. I want to help you process. Um, and then we talk to them about personal space and what's acceptable for touch from other people. and what it means to be able to just say, no, thank you. I'm, I don't want to hug or it can start very young. We do offer a parenting course that kind of walks through from two up to teenagers. So I know your original question was, what do we do? We increase our awareness and we have continual conversation about trafficking and sex and porn and all the things 
that are happening online, we give our kids sort of mini computers and we don't have conversation with them about things they're gonna encounter. So we have to increase that conversation. And then we just have to see the vulnerable. Traffickers are so good at seeing the vulnerable. And so we need to up our game. We need to stop living in, in this bubble of American comfort and pursuing the American dream and trying to keep ourselves happy and healthy and our kids safe and healthy. And we need to actually just bust out a little bit and step into the lives of the vulnerable. And we do that by volunteering at the bazillion nonprofits that are working really hard to break the cycles of poverty or addiction or broken families or the broken foster care, all these things that can also perpetuate trafficking. These nonprofits are working very hard to stop the exploitation of vulnerabilities and they need us. They need our, not just our money, but they need our hearts and our hands too. As we traveled across the United States, we said it to every audience. So here's to your audience. If you want to stop trafficking, you've got to show up in the lives of vulnerable people and particularly vulnerable teenagers. Um, we're now stationary. We live in Wilmer, Minnesota. My husband is the executive director of Youth for Christ. And that's an organization that's doing exactly what we, what we say. They're showing up in the lives of vulnerable teenagers to give them hope and show them they have purpose. We got we to gotta beat the traffickers in this engaging of the vulnerable. You hit on something I constantly talk about, communication, mm -hmm. talking to each other. It's so tough. Mm -hmm. And I, I think even uh, it's tougher now. It's not, it's not easier. When you're talking about conversations, it's earning the right to be heard. And so that's why we really want to talk to parents and teachers, because there's not always good parents. The conversations should be, especially within the home, ongoing. It's not a let's sit down and <laughs> talk about something. But as you have older kids, and maybe you haven't had those ongoing conversations, you didn't start when they were little, you haven't developed this language to just come out of nowhere and be like, hey, let's talk about porn would be, you know, way out of your comfort zone. Then you might be able to, to say, I've been attending some seminars or I heard the speaker or I watched this documentary and there's something that I would like to talk to you about. And I've never shared this with you before. And this might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I love you and I care about you. And it would just, um, it would be so good if you'd give me a few minutes to tell you what I've learned. Sometimes a good documentary will help. I'm trying to learn more about this subject. So would you sit down with me and learn about it with me? Can we have a movie night and let's put this on? It's not going to be fun, but I think it'll be cool. And that can generate conversation. So maybe start with a documentary or if their readers have them read a book that allows you to like look at the nuances together. Well, what would cause this girl to think like that? What would cause this, this boy to become so sexually addicted? And then you can you can bring it back to some of those things we talked about, the epidemic of porn, the lack of value in our culture, and you can start laying those groundworks and beginning to develop that conversation. I also think it's really important that you know the communication preferences of the person that you're trying to have a conversation with. I find that teenagers, with boys especially, it's more of a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder 
sort of conversations that are going to work out. So you're not going to look them in the face and talk to them about pornography, but you may be on the drive to school or working in the garden, or maybe you're just heading to the movies and before the movie starts, you're, you're not this face-to-face, but it's like, hey, I want to talk to you about something serious. So that conversation is more natural and comfortable. What are some of the warning signs? What should you look for? So if you're looking at just some basic warning signs, somebody that is being trafficked or is in the process, meaning they're being groomed for trafficking. So you're going to, you're going to look for an older boyfriend. You're going to look for that boyfriend that is giving her lots of gifts. So she's got expensive gifts, maybe a jacket or a handbag, her hair and nails getting done all the time, things that are kind of out of the ordinary for her. Those could be warning signs because again, that that older boyfriend is working hard to make that person fall in love, right? So that's part of the grooming process. There might be unexplained absences from school because she may be taken off to be with him. But then as the exploitation develops, then you can look for physical signs of trauma. Sometimes there's this seasoning point where there's abusive. She might seem withdrawn from classmates or adults. She might have changed her peer group. Most of the time, teenagers don't change their peer group. They kind of stick with the same people throughout high school. If there's a big switch, that can be a warning sign. A new tattoo Most people that get a tattoo, the tattoo has a story behind it. They're proud of it. It means something to them. Traffickers will tattoo or brand their slave. And so they will, you can look for a new tattoo. If a girl doesn't want to talk about, or she feels ashamed, or she's trying to cover up that tattoo, that could be a warning sign. Lack of eye contact with adults, especially men. Changes in dress or behavior. Those are things you can want. Feeling really tired in class or over-sexualized. Those can all be signs of trafficking. Look at some of the statistics. 30 million slaves in the world. It's trading in human beings. It's yep. forcing them into labor yep. and sexual slavery and commercial sex exploitation. Yeah, I mean, those numbers are huge. 30 to 40 million people caught up in trafficking in modern day slavery today. Many of those right here in, you know, free America, it is a huge epidemic. What perpetuates that? Well, we talked about the demand side, but it's money, right? It's a, it's business. The buying and selling of people is business. $150 billion industry. The reason for that is you can, you can sell drugs or sell a gun but then you've got to replace that product. But if I own a human, I can sell that human over and over and over again. So it, it just from a trafficker's mindset, it's good business. The business of selling humans. Humans are the product. It's an epidemic. There are two main types of trafficking. So when you're looking at that 30, 40 million people in trafficking worldwide, they're looking at the two common types of trafficking, which is sex trafficking, which is what we've primarily been talking about today. And then there's labor trafficking, which actually makes up the bulk of the numbers. And then labor trafficking has a variety of divisions. So it can be broken down into child bride, child soldier, organ harvesting, domestic servitude. Those those are all types of labor trafficking. And that's a huge problem not just in other countries, but in America as well. 
We've got to get the information out there. You've got to educate. You have you can't go into fighting trafficking uneducated. You do a lot of damage thinking you know stuff when you don't. And then you've got to get in your lane. You've got to find out where your gifts are, what side of the fight you want to be on. And you've got to actually speak the knowledge that you have and live live the awareness that you've got. You've got to live it. But this is, we're not just talking about some boogeyman from another country uh, coming in and exploiting our people, our children, our, we're, this is here. This is here. This is now. This is us. We want to keep things in a neat package understanding. And so if it, like you said, there's a quick fix for it. As humans, we take the path of least resistance. And so it's, it's, it's less of a problem if it's from somewhere else or from other cities or in our minds, it's, it's less of a problem, right? Well, I don't have to worry about it because that's what takes place in other countries or it's the, you know, foreign girls being trafficked, but that's just, that's not the reality of trafficking. Trafficking is families selling their kids. It's, it's, older men and women trying to exploit vulnerabilities and grooming and luring kids into things they don't understand. It's, it is in our backyard. It is under our nose. It is online. The trafficking victim, you know, we think, well, okay, well, if they get caught up in trafficking, they're probably taken and they're, you know, in another country somewhere. No, they can be the barista at your coffee shop. They can be the the girl checking you out at the counter. They can be the student in your youth group or your school. We have to peel back what and, and move away from what's easy. And we have to look at the difficult and we have to figure out, well, what are we going to do? Stop taking the path of least resistance, which is I'm, I'm just going to not do anything. And I'm going to focus on keeping these three humans or however many you have in your own family. I'm going to keep these, these kids in my nucleus protected and forget about the rest of the world. And you just, it doesn't work like that. We ha- especially when there's familial trafficking. If you think the family's a safe place and let everyone take care of their own families, there's a lot of broken families out there. So you have to get away from your safe family and enter the life of someone in a broken family because you might be their only hope and you've got to love them. Lovely. Wonderful. Thank you. How are you? You seem very purposeful and you're living a purposeful life. I mean, you sold your home, you sold all your stuff. How are you and how's your family? And, you know, how do you keep doing this? No, Uh, well, thank you so much for asking. People ask me that all the time. Like, how do you speak about something that's so dark so often? How do you read? I mean, I'm reading, I'm going to seminars. When I first discovered that trafficking existed, I took in information way faster than I was emotionally capable of receiving, way faster. I gave myself secondary trauma. I pretty much was in a state of depressed paralysis for quite some time because I couldn't wrap my brain around the stories and the darkness and, and the depravity of man, I, I, the loss of innocence of children. I just, I couldn't, it gets so dark so fast, just things you know you can't even speak about. And, um, and so I had to learn, I had to learn that because something is uncomfortable, doesn't mean you don't need to know about it because something's hard for you to take in. Doesn't mean you get to say, well, that's too difficult for me to understand, but we do have to 
guard our heart. The Bible says, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life, right? So we, we have to protect our heart and we have to be aware of our own triggers. We have to get self-care. And so we have to, we have to do things that, that, that help put us back in a positive frame of mind. And yes, look at difficult things, study difficult things, but also study beautiful things and positive things. And, and for me, that's going to God's word and the truth of that and the hope of that. And so when people ask me, how do you spend so much time in the dark? For me, it's, I spend so much time in the light and truth of, of God's word and who he is and that there's hope at the end of all of this. So the hope of eternity. And so we aren't on the road anymore. So that I actually miss it quite a bit. We did come off the road. We spent two years traveling. We spent about three years living in a camper, um, having sold everything. Um, the five of us in 350 square feet had its challenges for sure, but it was um, beautiful just to be doing what we felt we were supposed to do. Website is called Love to Hope. Love to Hope. Okay. I'll but tell you the story quickly about that. Love to Hope was named by, at the time, my son was seven years old. He named the ministry. We'd been talking about, you know, just feeling like the Lord was calling us into ministry and um, talking to our kids about what that might look like. My little seven-year-old says, well, if I was going to name a ministry, I'd call it Love to Hope. And his older siblings were like, what does that even mean? That's stupid. But we... We just loved it because we believe if you love and love people well. And so that's why there's a little circle within our logo, but that's really where it's at. Trafficking is an epidemic because our world has lost its sense of value. And so it really is about loving well, about seeing the vulnerable, but we we live in this cancel culture, right? We live in this. Um, nobody can even share their opinions without being X'd out because somehow it, it was offended. And so we're in the self-preservation and attacking mode. And if we can break that down and just and and love people well by serving them, by developing relationship with them, then that brings people hope. When you have that, you don't have room for traffickers to come in and tell you a bunch of lies. You just don't because there's too many people in your life speaking the truth and showing you the truth. And that's worth that. So we're working Love to Hope. I primarily, I'm the primary speaker of Love to Hope now. I do most of the educating as my husband is the executive director of Youth for Christ. Um, but there's such synergy in, again, showing up in the lives of vulnerable teens. So there is preventing trafficking. So there's synergy with the stationary job and there's passion and persistence with the awareness side of things. And so for the most part, we don't say no to a request to speak. We also don't charge to speak. We are completely free. We have people that will donate to us so that we can continue to offer free education, but to be you know, national speakers and, and well-educated in a topic, we could charge a lot of money, but we don't because we believe that it's important that people hear about this. And um, we don't want money to be a barrier because it's that important that we that we talk about these things and that we feel like we can empower people to understand and make change. It's wonderful that you took some time out to talk to me. I cannot tell you how, even just right there, your last tips on how you stay energized and how you stay positive is just a wealth of information for people who want to do something but don't know what to do. Yeah. and who are afraid of dark topics. Mm -hmm.
dark. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on out there, and it can make a person feel depressed. It can make a person feel afraid. It can make a person feel apathetic. Like why bother? Because people are are bad. But that is a partial reality. On the other side of that, there are people doing and good things, organizations that are engaged in the fight goodness in the world and hope in the world and so it's really important that we understand the darkness and and that we help the light thank you so much thanks for your time for more information on human trafficking and what you can do you can visit the levex website lovetohope.com and Share Hope International has a wealth of information on human trafficking. I'll include the links on my website gloriamoraga.com Please visit. I am Gloria Moraga. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share. I need your support. Be safe and talk to each other one on one.